0: what goes on media this is coming out stories it's a podcast and it's about one of the most important conversations of your life hello i'm emma goswell and i'll be your host now you're about to hear from raga buckle up because this is a really extraordinary story of a woman who fought for decades to come out and live her
1: true life so the discovery happened i think when i was very young but the acceptance happened when i was very old Well, over 50,
0: I think. Sorry, I should never discuss a lady's age.
1: (laughs) Oh, I don't care. I don't care. I'm out and proud. Like I said, it took a long time for me to even say the word lesbian, Emma. It's a funny old
0: word, isn't it? I speak to a lot of people that say the same thing. A lot of lesbians just come out as gay, don't they? Because they just can't bear the word. What is that about?
1: No, I don't think it's about the word lesbian or uh, queer or gay. I think it's all the adjectives and the... I think the history attached to it, I don't know, for me, it was about the abuse or the ridicule attached to the word lesbian or gay, where I mm. come from in India, whenever people uh, use the word gay or lesbian, they always made sure that it followed uh, with some kind of a ridicule. And so mm. to me, I didn't want to be that person. And we are you from Mumbai, which I would have thought is fairly progressive and has a lot of gay people in, surely. Big city, right? Of course, M- Mumbai is very progressive, but really what is progressive, isn't it? It's a small percentage. India is like that. As you know, India has got like a, a pyramid. The top 1% are very progressive, very well-traveled. They are exposed to a lot of things, but the most, the bottom of the pyramid or the middle of the pyramid, where mm-hmm. basically most of us come from, the middle class, as we say, we are progressive in our minds, but you know, we don't really act upon it because we are always mm-hmm. scared of the society around us. So we are the ones who create that society. We are those, that society. And we make sure that we all live within the norms of that society.
0: So I guess you were growing up in Mumbai in what, the 70s? And what what sort of things were you hearing about gay people in the 70s then?
1: Never heard. I I had no idea what the word gay meant. I meant gay. I thought gay was when you were happy. That was when (laughs) you said you were gay, that you were really happy. And I felt happy for when people said they were gay. So I thought they were really happy. It wasn't until I'd say uh, in my mid 20s, which is in the mid 90s, when I was working in advertising that I first saw a gay couple. So a copywriter and art director, you know, they always work together in advertising and, and everybody mocked them and made fun of them. And I'm sorry to say, I wasn't uh, left behind. I also mocked and I also said, hey, how gay and how uh, pansy and those kind of words being used for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I participated in that and I had no understanding. And in India, you have something called the third sex, the eunuchs, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so we grew up around them as well. But the, uh, the eunuchs were, again, mocked and ridiculed and made fun of. We always poked fun at them. And they were the ones who were bad news. They came and they bothered you. Basically, if you're walking on the road and if you saw a eunuch, you hid yourself, hid from them because they were scary.
0: So when you say a third gender, were they trans women
1: or trans men or were they non-binary? Uh, trans women and trans men. And so it was scary because they would just come and uh, they basically would uh, steal from you or they would beg from you. They would threaten you. And because they had no other means of income. Now, those things you don't know about when you're younger. But that still goes on, doesn't it? I remember being
0: very clearly on a train in Mumbai and trans women. This was only 2018 and trans women coming up and asking for money.
1: Yeah, they beg because they don't have another uh, livelihood, but obviously things are changing now though, Mm. we must say, lots of things are changing. There are transgender women politicians, I think one of them has become a surgeon as well in the medical field, there are engineers, so that's beautiful to see. So Mm. just coming back to this whole process that I had to go through, I had no idea what being gay was, we had no literature, we had no exposure, no one talked about it, one or two men came out and they talked about it, but they were poked fun at, so I didn't even belong. I didn't even understand it. And I was happily married to a man. And what age did you get married then? 25. I was 25. 25. We had our twins at 28 and life was beautiful. But at any
0: point during this stage, were you aware that you did have feelings for the same gender?
1: No, I always knew Emma, right from Mm. uh, childhood, I knew. But, you know, when you come from a, uh, a society where this is not an option, you don't even consider that as an option. You just think when you get married, you marry a man because that's what is expected out of you. Then you marry, then you procreate and you have children. But the interesting
0: thing is, and when I speak to a lot of people from the UK, they say they were always, other. they were bullied. And they were always bullied before they even knew that they were gay and they didn't. You know, they were children and they didn't know how they identified, but somehow the other kids spot something in them, don't they? And they, they either don't walk like a man or they do walk like a man and they shouldn't walk like a man or you know, they're dressing wrongly or they're too effeminate or they're too masculine. Something is othering them and they get bullied. But I'm guessing that didn't happen. You weren't getting bullied if people weren't talking about it.
1: Not at all, because I don't think anybody else knew it either. Mm. We, just, we just didn't understand the spectrum in India at that time. I'm talking about you know, going back now, what, 40 years? We just didn't yeah. understand. It wasn't until about 15, 20 years ago that this word was understood and spoken mm. about. Now, when I look back and I reflect back on life, I see a lot of my friends. They are gay and they have been gay forever. I haven't noticed. That was the only difference.
0: Gosh, but it still goes on, doesn't it? I mean, I remember on that trip to India, meeting a lot of gay men who were sort of out because they were accessing services that I was working for. I was working for an HIV and an LGBT charity. And yet they were married with kids and they were showing me pictures on their phone of their wives and children. But they were, you know, having gay sex and identifying as being a gay man. So it still goes on. A lot. It still,
1: isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely. It still goes on because in India, you know, I don't know whether you heard about the Marriage uh, Act right now. There is this whole petition filed by some uh, lesbians and uh, gay men in the court mm-hmm. asking for marriage rights. And recently, as recent as last month, the central government of India came out with uh, their uh, you know uh, discourse saying that marriage is between a biological man and a biological woman so that case is still pending so that is the they said in a social structure that is how it should be and so that's what we understand and that's how we grow up so when you get married you get married to a person of the opposite sex i mean it's very recent though isn't it that homosexuality was illegal
0: it was legal and then it became illegal and and then it became illegal again only only what
1: last 2019 2019 yeah. 2019. Uh, yeah 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 not very long ago and oh 2018 sorry 2018 uh, September. Yeah, but very not very long ago. You're right, but you know that has helped a lot in India, of course, because people like us we can give our voices out without being afraid that we'll be criminally charged. And I'll be like, if I touch my partner or I hold my partner's hand, I'll be put behind bars. So that fear is not there anymore.
0: No, that's great, isn't it? But I mean, again, when I was there, what I found interesting was that I met and spoke to a lot of gay men, but finding lesbians, they were rarer than hen's teeth. Where, Where were they? Where were you? you know, the country by then, so you weren't even there, <laughs>
1: were you? <laughs> we were married, remember? Most of the women are married and, and happy mm. or unhappily bringing up their families and yeah. pretending and hiding, and we are building closets around us. So where will you find us anyway? Mm. Until you decide that's not where you want to be. And like I say, closets are for clothes, not to hide your truth. Yeah.
0: Mm. But it took you a long time, didn't it? So So what happened that made you eventually go... I cannot be in this closet any longer. You know,
1: you're, you're happily married. You've got two children. What changed? I, I came out twice, Emma. That is, uh, I think I should be in the Guinness Book of Records. So, oh. <laughs> so uh, I came out in my early 30s the first time. I actually didn't come out. It was an accident. My mother outed me the first time. So and, she knew? Well, she knew because my mother loved going through my stuff and she found <gasps> a letter. Indian mothers, we are a special breed. Emma, please. I think my (laughs)
0: mother must be Indian then. She did the same. She found my love letters.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We always say, there's always a a lock and a key, but for some reason, the mothers have the key to everything (laughs) that we have. (laughs) So anyway, so my mom found a letter that I had written to a friend of mine. And in that letter, all I had said to my friend is, I think that uh, my marriage is of course over, but I think that I really like women and I want to explore the possibility of being with a woman that was it and of course the first thing my mother said to me was now should I call you an uncle I had no idea what that meant I still don't know what it means like she thought suddenly I was going to be this man she didn't understand the
0: difference between sex uh, sorry gender and sexuality she, she oh. thought you wanted to be a trans man for some reason
1: yeah exactly and then she said now I'm going to call you a gay and like all these conversations we had around it I just to date don't understand and she held a knife over my head one night. I don't know whether you've read my story. And that was the scariest part because she said that I would bring shame and scandal to the family. And for her, it was very hard. I'm a Catholic a minority from India. So mm-hmm. as a Catholic woman being brought up around saying everything other than what you the society tells you or God has told you is sinning, to knowing that your daughter now is interested in somebody from her same gender was very difficult for her. So and were you
0: living with her at this time?
1: She was. I was in New Zealand at that time with my mm-hmm. and my ex-husband. And my mother was visiting us. So she found she made a big drama out of it. There was conflict. She, told, she outed me. She told my ex-husband. And then, of course, things happened. And fortunately for me, things happened at fast forward, you know, thanks to her. Everything then suddenly happened. So she's visiting you. You're in
0: New Zealand. She finds this letter. She confronts you and tells your husband. Yes. And then where, where does the knife come into it? What happened?
1: Oh well, one night I was putting my kids to bed, and um, uh, you know, she just there was this dark figure standing over me with a shiny blade, and I thought I, I, really genuinely thought we we were being burgled, and um, and I was quiet, and suddenly I saw this figure coming close to me, and I just as I opened my eyes, I saw my mum, you know, breathing, and you just know your mum's smell and voice, right? Mm. And I said, "What are you doing?" And she said, "I'm going to kill you! I'm going to kill you!" And there was this like big loud noise, and. I had to fight her off and I had to tell uh, put my kids to sleep and, and she was genuinely really really distressed and angry. And then my ex-husband came in and he tried to under, you know break up whatever was happening and she eventually settled but she was really upset. She couldn't understand it at all. It took a long time. She didn't speak to me for 2 years, Emma. Oh my she god, back to India?
0: I mean, you laughed when you first started talking about it because it almost sounds like something out of a film and sounds ridiculous. But, I mean, it must have been terrifying.
1: Oh, it was. it was. I think it was the most difficult times of my life, you know, because there's one person in your world who you believe will love you unconditionally. And I think it goes without saying it's your mother. And when your mother doesn't make it feel safe for you, makes it difficult for you, that is, I think, the most traumatic uh, phase you can go through. Because if you can't turn to your mother, who do you turn to? You know, your friends and all come later, right? Your ecosystem comes later. Your professional colleagues come later. It's your mother. And my mother, I felt at that time, was so disappointed in me. And I felt so disappointed in myself. I thought I had let her down. So that's the first time I came out accidentally.
0: Well, I mean, you actually came out to your friend first then, I guess, didn't you? Because you'd written the letter and you you obviously knew that this friend would be accepting. I never sent
1: that letter. That's why that letter (gasps) was with me. So you never sent it? That's why that letter was drafted and in, in my oh. box, and I sent it. And
0: that's going to put you off sending it to anyone or telling anyone else, isn't it, after the reaction from mom yeah.
1: And I did come out to a friend, a close friend eventually, and uh, after two years of all the drama settling, and I called up my friend, Emma, and I said to her, I have to tell you that, you know, Ravi and I are not together. Ravi's my ex-husband, and uh, we were all close friends, and she said, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And then I said to her that, you know, I have now, I have, somebody in my life and it is a woman and there was silence 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 and then she says to me tell me did you ever feel that way about me Um,
0: (laughs) not that classic question (laughs) no
1: And, and it was all about her and I said I'm sorry you're my friend how can I mean I didn't even have you know that that I didn't even consider that thought and she said oh am I not pretty enough am I not your type So it was all, it became all about her. And I realized very quickly that whenever you confront somebody with your own truth, it becomes all about them. It's all like like my mother said, I have been cursed and you have let me down. And what will I tell the whole world? Instead of saying, hey, (laughs) let me hold your hand. Let me look after you. I know it's a struggle. I know it wouldn't have been easy for you to do this. Mm. No, it becomes about them, isn't it?
0: So she was convinced that you were bringing shame onto the family and all
1: of that sort of stuff, I guess. And I I guess I did in a lot of ways, right? Because as it is uh, in India at that time, 20 years ago, breaking up with your husband or separating is a huge stigma. You Mm. never tell people that you are divorced in India because it's dangerous. It's like what will happen to the family? The entire family of 100 cousins and sub-cousins, everybody gets tarnished, because of your one decision that's what they say anyway so uh, so yeah the whole family gets tarnished and your children and for the rest of 100 generations further on they get uh, you know associated with the stigma then then you talk about being divorced and then you talk about being a lesbian oh my god it's like it's another world. It's an alien universe.
0: So I'm guessing after this incident with the letter and then the knife and then your your mum presumably then stormed back to India, did she? And then it probably took you a long time to actually come out because that was sort of a forced outing in a way, wasn't it?
1: No, it actually helped me ever. I mean, yeah. yes, all that happened exactly. As you said, that my mum went back to India and, uh, you know, my... Ex-husband and I, we formally parted, we lived in separate homes, things changed very quickly, what may have taken forever, maybe five years, 10 years, 20 years more, maybe never mm. happened very quickly. And I thank my mother for it. Otherwise, maybe I would still have been unhappily married, divorced, you know, who knows, separated, single, but however, it that should have been it. So I started seeing someone, I started dating, of course, at that time, and I started dating a woman and I was very happy because I would look around New Zealand and Wellington where I lived and I think that how beautiful it is when you know you can express yourself and be the person that you are and I would Mm. look at women living their own lives and I would say how beautiful I want that life I would love to live that life and so it happened for me I started dating but that wasn't good enough because my Indian community which is like a small percentage of India India lives in New Zealand Mm. they didn't like it you know how rumors spread people think that Oh my God! Indian grape wine is I, like I say—it's the best in the world. You must uh, have access to it. We spread rumors, and the Indian community got to know, and I was very badly abused. Uh, my the, the, my car would have—they would write lesbian. I knew it was the Indian community because I would get snipe comments passed at me every time I passed. I went to a grocery store once with my children who were very little. This lady—I just heard a, heard a voice. Someone came from behind me, pushed me. All the stuff fell on me. And then I just, as I looked around, something happening so quickly, you know, things happen so quickly. And she just kicked me in my stomach, spat on me and said, bloody lesbian and homebreaker. What? Yeah. And this was in New Zealand, Wellington. And by the time the shopkeeper came and everybody kind of, you know, you feel so awkward, so sh- ashamed. And in front of the children. Yeah. And my children oh. were crying. I just kind of bundled them together. They were about five years old. We got into the car, we went home, we hid. I didn't get out of my house for seven days. I was so scared. And you
0: always think of, uh, well, New Zealand is a very tolerant place. I think they had marriage equality before a lot of the world did, actually. You know, and it it is a very tolerant place, isn't it? But it wasn't for
1: you. It wasn't for me. It wasn't New Zealand per se. It was my community, the Indian community. Mm. So I wouldn't say it was New Zealand. But having said that, having said that, I worked in a really senior position in an ad agency. Mm. And I thought that New Zealand was very tolerant because it is tolerant, but there's a lot of passive homophobia. Mm-hmm. I faced it. I just know it. I suddenly this. I, I think I, I I was the picture, you know, this of a happy family coming from India. How sweet, you know, son and a daughter twins. I I think I broke that mold for them, and then suddenly they couldn't accept it. And and all the awards I used to receive, or the accolades I received, or I was going to get a promotion as a director, suddenly wasn't happening. There Gosh. were excuses made. Yeah. So that thing happened as well. So, and you
0: think of advertising as being, you know, full of homosexuals, i the thoughts? <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, exactly. But it is people. Mm. No? It is, I think it's, it's all driven by people, whether it's the community, whether it's your professional life, it is people. It's an individual who uh, is homophobic or not, isn't it? It's not mm. a community as a person. So, 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 that is why I hate uh, Emma. That's why I'm saying I came out twice because all that had me so scared. So I felt so bullied. I went to such a dark place and all alone in a new country, remember, as an immigrant. I hid. I refused to tell anybody that I was gay. Even if I dated women, it was always, I won't say on the sly, but it was a secret. I lived a double life by choice. Until I met Nicola. I met Nicola 14 years ago. We've been together 14 years now. And we met in New Zealand. Nic- Nicola accepted my, my kids. We now run businesses in India, in the UK, and in New Zealand. But wow. we never told anyone about our relationship. It's only last year when I turned 50, my partner, Nicola, and my ex-husband and the children said, isn't it enough now? You've done everything you have. You're successful. People love you for who you are. I think you should now live freely. So your children encouraged you. I love that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And what, how old were they by now? Uh, they, they were 22 last year, now 23. Oh. Yeah. And well settled. And they always, they just, they haven't been able to understand the, the prejudices, the judgments, the discrimination that we face. They just don't understand it. They don't get it. Was there a moment when you had to sit them down then and explain what had never. gone on? No, never. They just they, got it. They, because, see, they were four when I started dating women. And for yeah. them, it's always been mum, mum and a dad. So, like I say, they won a lottery, isn't it? Like they've got three people who love them unconditionally. What more could they ask for? That's fantastic. And you still got a good relationship with your ex-husband? Then. Oh, a fantastic relationship. We went through a lot of turmoil. It wasn't all hunky-dory, as you can imagine. We went through a phase when we absolutely hated each other. He was questioned about his manhood, as you can imagine. Oh, your wife went away with another woman, so you're not man enough. So he had to deal with that. And of course, he blamed me and he was angry that I had taken the uh, children away and all that, those things that happened. But he's our best friend. He's our best ally. He lives in Goa. He lives far away. He lives in India. Hmm. And uh, the children and us, we are very close. He's he's very close to Nikola as well.
0: Amazing. How did he react that first night then when, you know, your mother essentially
1: outed you to him? That's a big deal. I had actually already mentioned it to him in the past. So he uh-huh. was not surprised. Uh-huh. I had been in love with a woman before I got married. And he was aware that there was something but we never questioned it because you know mm. you think it's a phase. You fell in love with a friend, and that's okay, you know. And men always think it's a phase. And because I didn't know mm. that it wasn't a phase, I also thought it was a phase.
0: it sounds like you've got a really good setup now, then. As you said, you you've got your children who are now grown ups. You've got your. Are you married to your no, No, you're not married.
1: Okay. No, so by but you've been
0: together by choice, <laughs> but you've been together a long time. Yes, um,
1: and you've got your ex husband as well. And some very close friends who love us for who we are, and they don't care, and they shouldn't. And there are some friends who are still in denial, who pretend that I am straight. And there are some friends who have ghosted us ever since our story came out, and that's okay too. And some family members who we never expected, they are now in their 70s and 80s, who have embraced us and my love for Nicola I'm, and I have yeah oh and how beautifully how beautifully they're from my dad's side who are very conservative far more traditional than my mother's side was and my mom's side has also accepted so it's beautiful my mom's not alive anymore she's uh, she's been gone now she passed seven years ago but uh, the family is very accepting and it's beautiful Oh, I didn't ask about your dad. Is he still around? Or? No, my dad passed away when I was six years old. Oh, A okay. long time ago. Long all right. Ago. Yeah. yeah. But I presume you've, uh, you've got brothers and sisters. Yes, I've got siblings and the siblings have never asked me, never spoken to me. I think they are happier. I don't know whether it works this way in the other parts of the world. But in India, best way to deal with stuff is not to know at all. You don't talk about it. So you will remain in denial. As long as you are in denial, it's mm-hmm. not happening and it's not real.
0: It is a very British thing in a way as well, isn't it? I think. Oh,
1: is it? Yeah, then maybe it is. It is.
0: Yeah. Well, we've got a phrase which I think came from um, Faulty Towers and it's don't mention the war. So it's oh, like okay. don't talk about anything. You know, if you meet someone German, don't mention the war. Like we just don't want to talk about stuff
1: that's difficult or awkward. Oh, wonderful. I'm sure it is. I, by the way, I worked with John Cleese many, many, many years ago. Did you? Yeah. What Randy. was he like? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you don't have to say
1: <laughs> okay because I I live my truth now I can't say the say any lies <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
0: funny. well you, you've obviously done very well for yourself in terms of your career but you feel like being gay has held you back a bit by the sounds of
1: it or not anymore I think it's our own fears that have held me back today when I look back I believe I could have done far far better and I haven't done maybe. If I was 28 and I was heading a large agency in India. And I had th- things that a lot of people even at 50 don't have. And then I moved to New Zealand and rebuilt my life. And again, I, had, I was amongst 1% of, the, of New Zealanders who were in that high bracket. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think I did what I could do. But I, I held myself back because I had self-doubts. So I felt people would not accept me. And that's because I judged myself so harshly. I looked at myself from the lens of what other people may think of me. And if I did, you know, the imposter syndrome. So I always believed that I didn't deserve it. I got into such a dysfunctional relationship. I might never talk about it, but I got into such a dysfunctional relationship with a woman. I was beaten up so badly in that relationship. I still hung in there for two and a half years because I thought I deserved it. I deserve that punishment because I had done something wrong. You know, that's nonsense that we bullshit that we tell ourselves in our mind. Yeah, yeah.
0: But particularly women really yeah. suffer from imposter syndrome. But Absolutely. I'm sorry to hear you went through that horrific
1: experience yeah. with a relationship. Yeah, but I don't blame anybody else. I blame myself because I held myself back. I allowed myself to go through abuse. And that guilt I would feel, you know, that's again, it's a woman thing. We feel guilty about being happy. We feel guilty about doing something for ourselves. Even if there's a piece of chocolate that's left and you know you want to have it, you will still keep it for your children because they deserve more than you do. You know, it's always like this. Mm-hmm. And it's, it took me a long time to realize self love. And you know, when I started understanding the word that self love is not being selfish, that is when success came to me. Interesting.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a sort of hippie notion, doesn't it, really? But, and, and I think be, people do become genuinely more happier the older they get, you know, because I you know. sort of iron out all the creases, don't you? And you, you care less about what people think about you and you actually care about what you think about yourself more.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I always say I give a rat's ass, you know. Seriously, it is my line and I mm. really give a rat's ass. I don't give a rat's ass anymore. <laughs> I don't care. You like me, fantastic. You don't like me, super fantastic because I don't want to anyway. Why do we live up in somebody else's world on their terms? We have to live on our terms. And mm-hmm. if people don't like us for who we are, then it's okay. So it's
0: interesting, you, you know, it took you getting to 50 to figure this all out and figure out that you had to live your truth, didn't you, really? You know, even here you're going through shitty menopause, which, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be the subject of another podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, In a way, you're happier than you've ever been, I I guess. Absolutely. Just yesterday, Nicola and I were out on a walk and I said to her, today, at this moment, I am the happiest I've ever been. And she said, what changed? I feel so content because, see, challenges are faced every day. Even yesterday, even today, this morning, I have a huge challenge that I'm facing. But that's okay. But I feel happy that knowing that I live my truth. Mm. You know, it's, such, it's so liberating. I don't know how to explain it to people. When you live your truth, you don't lose sleep over your lies. Your, your body is not, you know, uh, hurting because you have put yourself in such a dark place. Your mental well being is looked after. All those things which we don't really understand. I went through, I think, 20 years of darkness, not because someone else asked me to be in a dark place, because I put mm. myself in a dark place. And that's hugely
0: damaging, isn't it? When I think I was in the closet for, what, about nine months, I managed to go from 17 to 18 before I came out. And even that damaged me, I think, a bit, you know, the the pain and the anguish and the hating yourself and thinking you're wrong and thinking you're weird. So I can't imagine what that's like going through it for, you know, two decades of denying yourself. Because coming out, definitely every single person I've spoken to, and I've spoken to hundreds of people now, says that they're happier once they've come out. So how does that affect you then being in the closet for 20 years? is a long time, right? It's
1: it's very difficult. It's very challenging and not just challenging because of who you are and what you're putting yourself through, but also what you're putting your partner through. See, my partner is out, has always been out. Mm. I made her sit in the closet with me. Now that Mm. I think is unfair. She was bringing up two children. She gave everything to them unconditionally, right? But when people would ask us, so, you know, they would ask me, so Raga, do you have kids? I would say, yes, I have twins. And they would ask Nicola and she would say, oh, my uh, Raga's children are my children. And then they would say, oh, okay, you know, not really understanding or they would consider her my best friend or my business partner. Yeah. We, would, we were loved, but we were not accepted as a couple because I didn't come out as a couple, you know, and say that she was my partner. So I think that was putting your partner through that to me in hindsight, is the worst thing I've ever done. I should not have done that. She forgave respect. you. She, she obviously understood. No, no, she never had to forgive me. Yeah. She of course understood. But I think it's it's disrespectful. I think I think that respect should have come from me, mm. uh, and I should have done things differently. But you can't change, you know, things. And and she's lovely. But I feel that that's something that I should have done differently for sure.
0: Well, no, not too many regrets, I hope. But um, I always like to end by asking people if they would have any advice for other people coming out. You know, maybe s- someone's listening to this who is a bit older. They're not coming out as a teenager. What would your advice be?
1: I think it's always important to remember to be safe, no matter how old you are. Make sure that whoever you speak with, you feel safe around them. Because, you know, I don't know whether, Emma, you heard about it during uh, lockdown. Even in the pink news I heard that that they were saying, be careful during lockdown, don't come out even to your parents if they're not ready, because they were warning, because people are not always ready. And how they make you feel when you come out will actually translate how you live your life, the next 100 years of your life. And I think it's important to remember that first find a safe ecosystem, then come out. Yeah, make sure you're safe and then happiness will come your way. You bring happiness your way. Happiness will come. And of course you have to give yourself permission to be happy first. And Emma, last sentence. I think happiness is overrated. We should have a longer conversation, isn't it?
0: Oh God.
1: Why should we be why should we be happy? Just be. I'm just saying you feel sad, be sad, be happy, be content, be whatever. Just be. We're getting very philosophical now. Aren't we? <laughs> I'm from India. I have to use that. <laughs> Emma, I really hope that the uh, Indian community, you know, wherever we live, whichever part of the world we live, that we allow our children just to be. And it is important. It doesn't matter about our sexual orientation, about who we marry, about who we love. It's all okay. Love is all that matters. And really that's all there is to life. What a woman and what
0: a story. If you want to follow her and find out what she's up to now, she is at totallyoutnow on Twitter. What a great handle. Um, If we do ever get to do another book, that story has to be in it. Ah, did I mention our book again? uh, Well, it'd be remiss not to, wouldn't it, really? It is available in all good bookshops. It is simply called Coming Out Stories, edited by myself, Emma Goswell and Sam Walker. You can buy it anywhere, but we do recommend that you do try and shop independently and even go to an LGBT bookshop like QueerLit.co.uk, where I recently went and signed a few copies. Next episode, we've got a gay ghost hunter for you. No, really, we have. He's called Ray, and he told me that his dad didn't believe that he was gay because he had tried dating girls. I actually had two girlfriends. This was around probably 13, 14, 15 and... I think by that time, I kind of knew I was gay, kept it very quiet to myself. And I thought, if I have a girlfriend, it's either going to make me or break me. It's either going to be, yes, that's who I am, or no.